Hey. Hi. Here's your reminder that you are worthy and capable exactly as you are in this moment. Really? There's nothing wrong with the core of you and who you are. I think you're right. If you want to be a hot girl, then you are a hot girl. I am? If you want to do Pilates, you can do Pilates. Yes, I can. And never let anyone tell you any differently. I won't. Let's start the show. Let's go. Welcome back to Hot Girl Pilates. I am so excited to have my good friend Kat Cheng on the podcast today. She is an incredible person, a hot girl through and through. She has a million and one creative pursuits. She's extremely successful and she's really so inspiring. So I'm so excited to have you here, Kat. Will you start off by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm honored. This is so cool. <laughs> um, and I guess I, so I grew up in Minnesota um, and I literally started dancing since I was three years old. So I've been doing it my whole entire life. Um, and I guess, what do you, what do you kind of want to know? Like everything? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, <whole> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna definitely dive into your whole life story. But yeah, so you you start in Minnesota, and where are you now? Mm-hmm. Now I'm in Los Angeles. Yes, yes, that's where I met you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> Thank God. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to have met you. Um, something <laughs> about Kat that I just want to share really quickly is she's a total badass in the dance professional dance world can you just brag about yourself for a second and tell everyone some of your biggest jobs some of your proudest moments yeah that yeah i can (laughs) i feel weird but it's hard just do it um, (laughs) (laughs) celebrate you um thanks uh i guess uh one of the proudest moments of my career um is that I've gotten to be on Mariah Carey's like team for several years now. So I've toured with her for a few years. And then recently last year, I got to choreograph for her, which was like a dream for me because I love choreographing. And that's like kind of like my next goal is to be like, you know, more more of a professional creator, I guess. So mm-hmm. that was one of my proudest moments. Um, I've gotten to dance for... Uh, Ariana Grande, who is like one of my favorite celebrities, so that was a cool moment for me. Definitely cried. Um, so amazing. And <laughs> uh, just let yeah, I've gotten to dance for a lot of cool people like Olivia Rodrigo, Avril Lavigne, um, Doja Cat. Uh, yeah, every new experience is really cool for me. I think the coolest things that like. I felt have definitely been like live stage performances. That's like my favorite thing ever. Just like anytime I get to be on stage and like the first time I was ever on a stadium stage was like so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, gotten to work with a lot of cool artists. Thankfully, very grateful for that. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Cause I know it's really hard to like, brag about yourself and talk about the things that you've accomplished but I think this is such a great moment to just edify you and celebrate you because those are amazing accomplishments so let's talk a bit about dance I want to know why did you first choose dance 
So actually, I didn't choose dance. My mom put me in it because she was a dancer. Um, mm. And she was amazing. And she actually never really got to like fulfill her dream of becoming a professional dancer just because of like culture and like society and like just where she was at in time. To give a little context, so, yeah, maybe you can mention your mom is Laotian and... And she's a first generation, right? And Chinese first generation and you're second generation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. it's yes. like very strange to want to be a dancer, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as supported, you know, as she would have liked it to be. So it was really cool that after having me, her daughter, she was like all for it. She's like, you know what? Yes. Like if she wants to dance, she could dance. And I actually didn't even want to like, (laughs) she just put me in it. And when I was three years old and she, she put me in quite literally everything though. Like when I, like from a really young age, she just had me try everything and see what stuck. So I was in dance and like figure skating. I ran, um, art class, basketball, like none of the sports really stuck. But um, as the years went on, like dance kind of just stayed consistent. And it was kind of like the last man standing. And it wasn't until I think uh, my junior year of high school is when it like kind of clicked in that it was more than just like my after school activity. Like I really felt something towards it. And I think Mm -hmm. um, also that's the year that um, my parents weren't able to pay for competition dance anymore because it's like insanely Mm. expensive so like it was just like more difficult and so dance was I guess more or less taken away from me um Mm. and I feel like not having it I was like wait like I I can't live without this and that was the year that I really fell in love with it and then decided in that moment to pursue it as like my career wow yeah, so it's almost like the moment that you realized you might not be able to do it is when you realize, like, I need this in my life. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, because I was so, like, I spoiled with it. Like, I got to go to the studio for years and, like, do as many dances as I wanted, so I never had to question it. I was always just mm. there. But mm. I'm actually really grateful that it was taken away because otherwise I wouldn't have realized it, I feel like. Right, and it sounds like you were really supported by your parents which is awesome. Like they believed in you. They wanted you to pursue this. What was it like in other contexts when you told adults basically that you wanted to dance, like teachers or anyone else in your life? um, What was that like? So um, actually my parents, it was a kind of a hurdle to get over because Mm. they did support me as a dancer but they also like it was something so foreign to them to like have a child that wanted to do this as a profession like as Mm. an extracurricular yeah like they were like go for it um but I think it was like kind of scary to hear that I wanted to be a dancer and they supported me the best they could with what they knew but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day you know like it's so far off like culturally what they're used to so they did the best they could but it took like years of kind of convincing and proving myself after I moved mm. to LA for them to kind of like be like, oh, uh, you can actually do this for you. It was a lot of like, wow. I moved to LA and being like, you know, you can come home, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you can like always move back. And I'm like, I don't need to yes. hear this right now. Like, it's really right. Hard. Um, right. But I'm like really proud of them because like considering their background and upbringing, the fact that they never really like said no, though, are like truly yeah. discouraged me was like a miracle. But 
I guess as for other adults, um, I I went to an arts conservatory high school, so they were very supportive of it. Um, if especially if I went into concert dance, which I definitely did not do, um, mm. like it wasn't uh, commercial dance wasn't as supported for some reason. Um, but they were all for me trying it. And like, I felt a lot of love and support from my teachers for sure. I had a lot of really special teachers at the high school that kind of like shaped me and like supported my decision. College was a different story when like (laughs) I went to college, there actually were, there was a teacher who like pulled me aside and she was like, I don't think you're going to make it. She literally (gasps) told me, she was like, I don't think you're going to make it as a professional dancer. And I was like, Oh, whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with that person. <laughs> like, they didn't believe <laughs> yeah. it. Clearly that person didn't believe in themselves and they were putting that on you because that's wild to say to someone. <laughs> yeah, especially if, like, I'm here to become a dancer, you know? I was young. Right. I, like, was very influenced by my teachers. Like, they, I looked up to them. So to hear that, I was like, ooh, a little wow. bit crushed. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little bit sad about amazing that. that you got through that yeah and that you still kept pushing mm-hmm. that's seriously amazing yeah, but for the and most I love part how though, it, i would say yeah. like oh sorry like <laughs> no 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 go ahead or no just for the most part i would say like um because i was surrounded by a lot of artistic adults like i was pretty supported which i'm grateful for Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's so powerful, the grace you have for your parents. And this is like a thing that I'm so um, about right now is like understanding our parents did the best they could with the tools they had. Right. And everyone gets a different, right. Everyone gets a different kind of situation, but how beautiful that you have that understanding for your parents and um, that you still just pursued what you wanted to do. I love that. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about your experience in dance? I mean, I feel like dance is, I don't know if everyone understands, but it is such a demanding career. You don't have tons mm-hmm. of time to spend with friends and family. I wonder if you can talk about like, if you ever feel lonely in dance, what it's like being on tour um, and being away mm-hmm. from friends and family. Um, I think when I first began, because I was so like tunnel vision to being successful and having a career, like it didn't affect me as much. I was like kind of in the mindset of do anything it takes. Um, mm. The end goal is just the book, book jobs, work, work, work. And if that happened, then I'm good. Um, mm. And now that I'm older, like I'm realizing that booking jobs and everything is cool and it's nice. Uh, but if I don't, nourish my relationships with my friends and my family then it's almost like it doesn't matter nothing really matters because I feel like at the end of the day like life is about sharing your experiences and like talking to people celebrating with people crying with people and Mm. I think like the more like hard things that happen to the more you're like oh like I really need to take time to hang out with friends and when I do get really busy as opposed to like when I first moved out here, I was busy. I didn't really care. I do get, I feel really lonely actually. And if I don't see yeah. like my people for too yeah. long, just because they've helped me now through so many things. And I like so many things happen in this um, 
in this field. Like you're on a different job every week. There's so many like experiences you're having good, bad, great, ugly. And like to not be able to sit and reflect and talk to your people about it. It gets very like isolating, I think. Um, especially for me, I'm a big quality time person. I'm a huge mm. quality time person. So if I don't get that, I start feeling a little bit crazy. So, and it's, it's yeah. interesting because like our job is really social. Like I'm right. constantly around people and stimulate, like super stimulated. But, um, if it's not like around my people for too long, it's a weird lonely, you know, like yeah. it's a, you're around a lot of noise, but it feels very isolating, but right. Like you um, said, that quality so yeah. time. It's different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Thank it's you like so much hard for sharing to that. Map yeah. Out. yeah, and it's hard to map out time too because like our schedules are so unpredictable. So it's not like oh. every night at seven I know I can hang. It's like maybe on every third week in between like two and two forty five. You know, like it's so weird. Yes. So you really have to work for your relationships. Yeah, you know what? It, it that has me thinking. It's like so that's kind of one of the cons of this kind of you know, glamorous maybe or appearing glamorous life as a professional dancer in LA is kind of like that isolating mm-hmm. and having a hard time. Can you talk a little bit about like the pros? Like what do you love about being a professional mm-hmm. dancer in LA? I just, so like, I feel like one of the biggest things about me and if anyone knows me, they know is that <laughs> I have like an un dying love and obsession to dance like I can't even explain it but like (laughs) I it makes me so happy it's everything to me it's like so infinite you can learn new things all the time like I can like let out my emotions I can be happy sad like angry fun like you know it's just like amazing so any chance that I get to move my body just makes me so happy so the fact that I get Mm -hmm. to do that as work it has never felt like work like if mm-hmm. it, if anything has ever felt hard, it's been from like external factors in my life, but yeah. it's never dance specifically. So yeah. like, I just love it so much. Like I can't even Aww. explain. So it's so freaking cool to like be able to do it as my life. Like it yeah. still blows my mind. Like I've been doing it this for like six years now, almost seven. And every time I get on a new job, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, that's so this cool. funny. Like I get to... So I think the best part is like just getting to dance all the time. And then being a dancer like will take you to some crazy places and do Mm -hmm. a bunch of things that I didn't even know I was dreaming about. Like because of dance, I've been able to travel like across the world, which like traveling is so cool to me. And to be able to do it like on someone else's dime and then to like perform, you know, it's just mind blowing to me. So dance takes you to everywhere. And then also just seeing like I have a lot of different hobbies so I'm really interested in everything to do with like photography and film and like set design and everything and so getting to be mm-hmm. immersed in those creative worlds all the time is really stimulating to me and it makes me happy like it's really cool to see it like what other people can come up with with large-scale budgets and like you know mm. all that kind of stuff so it's it's exciting oh. and it keeps me like interested because every job is brand new like it never gets boring yeah oh, that's so cool and I was going to ask you, like, how do you stay so consistent and dedicated? But I feel like you really answered it right there. It's like, it doesn't even feel like a choice to you. It's just, it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, like, yeah, I, I'm always dancing and people are always like, you work, you like work really hard. And I, I guess yeah. I do, but like, 
I like it truly doesn't yes, like I, do. I can't think of what else I would do <laughs> like with right. my time you know like if I have a, a down downtime or like a free day like I just want a session all day or do yeah, something you're like, still dancing <laughs> yeah so I guess I don't know it's just kind of like in me I've, I've always kind of yeah. been this way so yeah <laughs> I wonder because you mentioned like your hobbies and for anyone who does not know Kat, she's incredibly talented at many creative things. So yes, dance, but also photography. She plays piano. She's just incredible. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like one of your, one of the things I look up to you for so much and I'm so impressed by you about is your incredible creativity. If you ever want to look at one of Kat's uh, choreographed dances that she's done, the whole set design, the makeup, everything from the lighting, she has had her hands on every single part. And I wonder if you have any advice for someone who struggles with creativity, like they want to be more creative. I um, wonder if you have any advice for them. Um, I would always go into everything with zero expectation, zero mm -hmm. pressure. Because I think, like, for me, um, the second I get any other thoughts besides, oh, I just want to I want to make something. Or I just want to, like, you know, mm. mess around. Or I just want to, like, experiment. If I get into a place where, like, I have to create a product, I have mm. to, like, make video. I mean, I need to push out content for, like, my job. I need to – if it's, like, anything less than just, like, dreamy fun, then mm. I, like, get stuck. So I feel like um, if you can, like, go into it, with only the intention, just like a kid, like be playing mm. make-believe, then you can't feel like you failed. You can't feel disappointed in your product because you're just playing. You know, oh, creativity is just about playing and dreaming. So, um, yes. yeah, I would just go into it with a lot of kindness towards yourself because it's not that deep, truly. Like, I think <laughs> people get really, like, hard on themselves about being these, like, really deep creators and, like, making right amazing content but like I don't know I'm around a lot of kids because I teach a lot and I feel like I see some of the most innovative and unique mm. content coming out of like my improvisation like eight-year-old class because they have no barriers they just like unleash mm. themselves that don't care and I feel like we need to remind ourselves of that you know Yes. Oh, that is so cool. It's like you get kind of that one-on-one -on -one experience working with kids where you're like, okay, this is how I can get back in touch with my inner child. And I think that's like an easy muscle for you, right? Because you always are working that creative muscle. But that advice is so amazing for anyone. Like, I love those two words, like dreamy and fun. Um, I think those, that really sums up like how to have more fun with your creativity. Just dream. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want to talk a bit about like in the dance world and especially your training, like the next generations and how, like what steps you feel like you can take and also your um, experience with some of the more toxic uh, things in dance and how that's influenced you and um, how you see dance now. Mm -hmm. So I feel like um, kind of like the toxic side of the industry really got me when I first moved here because mm -hmm. I thankfully, like as a kid growing up, I wasn't really faced with like too horrible of things. Like I had a pretty safe and like loving upbringing you know 
And then so I kind of lived in this like, I guess, dreamy world where、mm-hmm. like I loved basically everyone. I like never even could imagine that anyone would have ill intentions, you know?、Mm-hmm. Like I think deep down I knew, but it's not the way I chose to view the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I get to LA, and you know, there's so many people here. So you're going to get the best of the best and the worst of the worst.、Mm-hmm. But, and I had absolutely no filter for that. So everyone looked the same to me. So、mm-hmm. um, I think I got caught up with a lot of like the wrong crowds, the wrong people who, like, you know, Had no good intentions towards me, and like,、um, and I got caught up for a long time too because、mm-hmm. I just like, you know, I didn't know any better. I was like young, naive, and I kept getting hurt a lot, and I didn't、mm-hmm. know why. And、um, yeah, but again, I it never it never changed my view on dance itself and art. Maybe towards the industry or a section of the industry, but it just、mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was kind of a rude awakening <laughs> because I feel like my life goal is really simple. Like, I always say this, but I all I want to do is like laugh a lot and、mm-hmm. then dance a lot. <laughs> I feel like that is really it for me. And、yeah. I feel like I, I moved here and I'm like, this is the ultimate place for that. And I was like laughing and dancing less than ever. And、mm. it was just like, it definitely was a hard pill to swallow at first. Yeah, wow. That was definitely hard for me too.、Uh, coming to LA, I experienced something kind of similar.、Um, amazing. And, and it's so cool that you are, in the, you are in a teacher role for the next generation and you're going to make sure that you pass on. Um, just the best parts about dance, and you're like the perfect mentor for them. So I think that's so amazing. I wonder if we can talk a bit about money, finance,、uh, business, because I think this isn't talked about enough. And in the dance world, it can be so secretive who's making what and、um, mm-hmm. kind of like that, right? And I, want, I wonder if you can give people an expectation because you don't have. Like a side gig outside of dance, right? You teach dance, you perform dance.、Um, but how is it possible to make this a full time career?、Um, and any advice for someone who's trying to do that?、Mm-hmm. Uh, a million percent. Yeah, a million percent. This can be your only job and you can live a pretty fruitful life from it for sure.、Um, and I think, especially starting out,、uh, where I see a lot of people go wrong is that their ego gets in the way. Because,、mm-hmm. especially at first, you're definitely, unless you're like, I don't know, super lucky and like the best dancer in the world, you're probably not going to move here and then right away book so many jobs that you can like sustain your life. So there's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to be like, okay, something's got to give. Like, I am a dancer. Yes, I'm good. I'm a professional, but I should probably get a side job. Or, I should probably like、mm. really look into my skills and see how to make money. And I, when I first moved here, I went so broke that it wasn't even funny. And I like just was so dumb about it. And I like, I was forced kind of to like be like, okay, what can you do?、Uh, for me, I couldn't get a normal job because I feel like I would just die inside a little bit. 
because <laughs> I did a lot of normal jobs in high school and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, okay, Kat, what are you good at? Okay, you can dance, mm. you can choreograph, like maybe start teaching. So I like started slowly like looking into teaching, which turned into like studio choreo, which I highly recommend for dancers who are good at like making moves is like Mm -hmm. get into the studio choreo world because it's great practice. It's a great tool, like way to practice your creative mind when it comes to movement. And it's a really good way to make money where Mm -hmm. you don't have to go in somewhere weekly and like it doesn't take up much of your time. Um, You can kind of pop in whenever you want. Um, and then I would say too, like, if you want to be consistent booking dance jobs, at least for me, just like keep training. So you're always ready for a job, like, so that every time you book a job, you leave a good impression and then Mm -hmm. be really nice because at the end of the day too, like everyone's good at dance, but like not everybody's nice and people are going to want to rehire the people that had a good time on set or were really pleasant to be around so I feel like more than just training your dance skill make sure that you as a person are good and that's gonna just like really really kind of change how much you book I think like just by like being a nice person but um yeah and I feel like too uh, a lot of people get caught up in the like if maybe they're not booking a lot and then they're like struggling with money but they refuse to get another job because you know again your ego gets in the way but I'm like Mm. honestly like it's worse if you can't even do anything you're just stuck at your apartment because you have no money I'm like just you know kind of put your head down work really hard at any at something until you can get your finances back up again save and then you can like go in harder on your dance career because if you're always stuck in this like limbo of being broke, then it's going to be really years will pass and you won't be able to like, you know, achieve your dreams. Oh, incredible advice. Incredible advice. And what if you're someone who, um, you know, your dream job, like, let's say it was like Ariana Grande for you or or Mariah Carey. And what Mm -hmm. kind of steps can you take to, to, um, show up should you be investing in going to classes which can get expensive um, how can mm-hmm. you make steps toward that goal um it's definitely very specific depending on what your goal is but I mm-hmm. think um I always kind of look at this career as like an extension of school like if I had gone to school to be a doctor like I would have to take a ton of classes about being a doctor, Mm. you know? So Mm -hmm. as a dancer, I still have to do my research. So I can't just sit here and like aimlessly take class and um, aimlessly just do stuff if I know what I want. Like if I want to be, I don't know, let's say the dream job was Ariana Grande. I need to know who her choreographer is. I need to be in their specific classes. Um, Mm -hmm. If that style is not the best Uh, at what I do then I have to train and become the best at it you know I need to like know um who her camp is who she's surrounded by like and that's with anything like if you want to work for any artist or be in just commercials you I think the most valuable thing you can do the most efficient thing you can do is just do your research and know everything about what surrounds it because otherwise it's like it can get overwhelming and then because there's so many different things you can do out here 
Um, But yeah, be smart about it. Do your research. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I just love how your outlook on it, like you look at it from such a like holistic kind of perspective where you're coming from all angles. And and sometimes you don't get that training in dance, like even in school. I, I don't remember in my BFA, like learning um, the business side of things. And it's so cool to hear that mm-hmm. from someone um, who's just crushing it. And, you know, we've talked about um Kat and I, because we're friends, we talked about investing Mm -hmm. and kind of moving, like trying to take steps toward um, financial security. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that and investing. I feel like especially as women, like no one tells us how to save or that we should be investing. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's been something that's really valuable that I've learned too, because, you know, we don't have a regular job. So it's not like I have like a nice, you know, retirement plan set up with my work or like health insurance. That's just right there for me. (laughs) And these are all things. (laughs) And it's not fun to think about these things. I honestly like hate having to deal with this stuff, but it is so important to like set ourselves up for a safe future, especially because like this is a physical job. Our bodies are everything. We're really relying on this like, ticking time bomb basically so we need to like make sure that our we're set up for anything so I'm really lucky because my parents are really knowledgeable my parents and my brother are really knowledgeable about this stuff and they've kind of made sure that from like it early on I like start my own you know retirement account you know, getting the Roth IRA, all, all that kind yes. of stuff, you know, yes. and, and like, just because, you know, it's really, really, really important. And I don't think people tell us that enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, as for investing, like I'm slowly starting to get into that um, because my my parents and my brother do it a lot. And they are kind of like walking me through that process as well, because otherwise, like, you know, I'm just like, I want to be smart with my career and be strategic. I want to be smart with my money too. And I want to strategize and use it in a way that I can grow faster, you know, Um, instead of just kind of sitting in my account. And I also have learned to kind of, you know, be also put my ego aside about money too and ask for help. I think a lot of people get sensitive Mm -hmm. talking about money um, cause nobody, I don't know actually why, like we feel so weird about it. It yeah. just seems like so private, but I think yeah. the more you ask people about like what their financial plans are, their financial goals, what they do for themselves, the more you'll learn and it will all just kind of help set you up better for the future. Um, think yeah yeah absolutely and of of course Kat and I are not like financial experts don't take financial advice from us but you know maybe go to an accountant and like get get that on board because I hate this like glorification of the starving artist I it's so um no it's not helpful Yes. No, I will never say that. And I will never say that about myself because Mm -hmm. we work in Hollywood. Okay. There is (laughs) a crazy amount of money being made as an artist in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So I'm always Mm -hmm. like, I don't see why I'm not 
I can't be a part of that. You know, I think it's a mindset yes. thing. Like if yes. you if you keep telling yourself that you're a starving artist, you almost <sighs> give yourself an excuse to stay in this financial position. But if yes. you're like, no, I can be like a money tycoon of this world, of the entertainment yes. industry, then, you know, yes. it just opens the door for that possibility. And I think, why not? You know, like money is not everything. It isn't, but it, it can help a lot. Financial stability uh, stability is, like, I think extremely important for your quality of life, you know? Yes. So I think it's important to talk about, and I think everyone should ask about it. And, yeah, you're right. We're not financial experts. I can't tell you what to do or how to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can definitely recommend asking professionals for sure yes. because it's important. You should, like, you know, care about your future. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And and what you said about the mindset. And I think when you come from, you have to look at what are your parents' mindset around money and then observe how that impacted you. Because for me, like, yes. um, personally, my dad was like really, I guess, cheap. <laughs> I don't, dad, I love you. Um, but it always seemed like he really, um, it's a scarcity mindset, right? Because it's like, well, you don't need yes. that like everything in our house was fixed with like duct tape and stuff and it's kind of like at a certain point it's more <laughs> it's better to just buy the nicer thing because it's going to last longer <laughs> like stop trying to fix everything totally. and cut corners mm-hmm. and and then in a way it's interesting because it did make me a good saver so I'm so thankful for that um but mm-hmm. at the same time it's like understanding like there's a lot of money out there I love that you said that cat yes there's a lot mm-hmm. of money changing hands here. And I wonder if we can get into and just like you can in broad terms talk about like kind of the difference. Say you choreograph for a tour or you dance on a tour. What can someone expect to mm-hmm. make? How um, like what does that look like for a dancer versus a choreographer? Um, so that's a good question. And I don't know if I have the best answer because I haven't really worked as a professional choreographer. Right. Um, that's kind of like what I'm building up to right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and don't quote me on any of this, but from what I've heard from people and what I've talked to, like definitely a choreographer makes much more. And right. usually it's um, – so for a dancer, you hopefully, if you're like on a SAG job, are getting dancer alliance rates, which is kind of like a set rate. Like if you get a certain amount of hours on a certain amount of – like in, within a certain amount of days, you get like a set rate. Mm-hmm. Um and then for a choreographer, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of them have their own day rate that they can establish and they set for themselves. So mm-hmm. um, depending on like how well known they are, how much experience they are, like the range of what a choreographer gets paid is pretty large because, yeah, they're on their own day rate for the most part when they take on choreography jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And um I wonder what your opinion is on that, like the fact that kind of choreographers make so much more than dancers. Like how Mm -hmm. is it sustainable to just like stay as a dancer or should everyone kind of have this outlook of like moving toward the choreography side of things? I mean, I I know that's what interests you the most, right? So that Mm -hmm. explains a good part of why you're moving toward that. But your opinion Mm -hmm. on that? Um, I mean, it's definitely sustainable if you just want to dance. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. But um, they're actually right now. So we have a choreographer's guild 
that has developed and they're working really really hard to get everyone's rates up right now because yes. dancers are like notoriously underpaid it's actually mm-hmm. ridiculous yeah. like for the amount of work that you're doing and amount of like stress mm. you're putting on your body like since the mm. beginning of time in this industry like we've been so underpaid underappreciated um undercared for so yes um, hopefully within these next few years i am really hopeful because a, a lot of things have already changed um, yes it will be like <laughs> even so easier exciting. If you just want to dance because the rates will match like the cost of living. Um, yes. Because yeah. for, I mean, forever, they don't, they don't rise with the economy. They've like stayed the same for a very long time and it's not sustainable. But yeah. um, there's definitely change in the air for sure. And especially because like I know choreographing isn't everyone's dream. Like, a, like right. not everybody wants to do that. And like you should be able to make a living if you just want to dance. So um yeah yeah definitely possible and becoming more possible with like the guild and everyone who's talking about yes and like look into your your rights as a dancer look into your contracts Mm -hmm. read everything and i think a nice practice for people to do and i'm going to do this too i mean as a dancer you're an entrepreneur you are a business Mm -hmm. in yourself and sometimes when we accept a rate we're not factoring in how much time we've truly spent to get here so i would challenge everyone to start keeping time logs and i haven't done this yet but it's one of my goals of all the time you spend on your career like every single part like start keeping track of that time and then look and divide and see what you're really making for your hourly because um i guarantee you're gonna have feel more comfortable asking for more money once you realize right like how much time you are truly spending oh that was awesome and i think to like not accepting like certain rates is like where we all need to yes you know put more work because like uh as a dancer there definitely is a scarcity mindset here too where like oh we're replaceable like I have to accept all these terms or else you know the next dancer will just you know grab my job but I think as a community we kind of put our foot down and be like no we won't dance for free we won't dance for exposure we won't dance for like this little bitty amount of money because we've trained our whole lives and this is a specialty like a specialty skill and we should get be getting paid much more and like kind of being vocal about it and stepping up and being like actually like I've kept track of my hours I'm organized this is what I'm worth like if you say that more often than not like people have more money to give and they'll give it but nobody is like out here just offering you more than than they want to you know (laughs) right off the bat (laughs) but if you'd bring it up then like you know you'll find a lot of times that there is more money that they can yes. offer. Oh, and I hope so many people listen to this and start making moves because it's like the more that people start demanding what they're worth, the easier it'll be mm-hmm. for everyone. And this and this goes for Pilates industry too. It's like if anyone devalues themselves, that makes it harder for everyone else to value themselves, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of like a teamwork. And I know it's hard because imposter syndrome is so real. And that scarcity mindset is Mm -hmm. so real. And it's really hard. But working on yourself and understanding your worth can make a huge impact. So I'm so glad we talked about that, Kat. That was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I in these interviews I really like to talk to like badass entrepreneur women out there and um, I think sometimes we look at these women and we see 
oh my gosh, their life is perfect. They have everything. I just wish I could have their life. And I want to ask you, like, what has been your lowest point in life? Like when you felt your lowest mm-hmm. and kind of how you've been able to come back from it or the work you're doing to come back from that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we've definitely talked about this before because we're friends. We're friends. <laughs> um, but um, when I was out here kind of like going into I was like young and naive. I didn't really know. So I got wrapped up in a lot of like things that I didn't need to be a part of. But um, uh, I think the lowest point I have ever been in my whole life was uh, my past relationship. Um, I got I got into this relationship like pretty early on in LA. Like I was really young, like 21, 22. And mm. it was incredibly abusive, like verbally, physically, um, and just, like, something I just didn't even know could exist. Like, I, again, you know, came from a pretty good childhood, pretty good upbringing. Like, the worst of it was, like, you know, arguments with parents and stuff like that. Like, nothing crazy. So to come to L.A. with these dreams of dancing and then – to be all of a sudden like in this situation where like it's taking everything away from my life like all my friends like it was super isolating like I was pulled away from my friends my family from my love of dance like I feel like my whole purpose was turned around because I was confused I came here to to follow my dreams and all of a sudden I'm caught up in this like manipulative relationship and like if I'm not dancing and again, if I'm not seeing my people, I don't know what my purpose is. I was so sad. Um, and I think like in the relationship lasted for years too. So, um, and the longer I was in it, the more and more I lost myself. Like I, I love like meeting new people and like talking and connecting with people. I love laughing. I love having a good time. And I definitely got to a point to where I was like scared of social situations like I felt like I couldn't even like go to the grocery store by myself without him or like I felt like I couldn't like speak for my own self I didn't have a voice because I was so kind of pushed down by this person and Mm -hmm. just so belittled and so made to feel like I was nothing that like yeah I really just lost myself Um, and it was really scary because I like couldn't even recognize myself when I looked in the mirror. I like didn't really dance anymore, which like is really crazy for me. Um, (laughs) and uh, yeah, I, I think that was definitely the lowest of my whole life. I have never felt so much loneliness, so much fear, so much pain, mental and physical, um, (laughs) just in my whole life. And um, yeah, it, it has taken a lot to get out of it. Um, it's been about three years now since, um, I finally got away and the process has been pretty grueling. Um, and I think that's also why I hold so much importance now in my friends and family, because there is 0% chance I would have made it through without them. Mm -hmm. Um, and oh sorry I'm like getting emotional just like thinking oh, about it I am it. too <laughs> uh, but like um yeah like I I made it through because my friends are 
like out of this world my family too like they and I had been put in a place where I thought that nobody cared about me nobody was thinking about me but it was not real it was a fabricated reality that he put me in so he could isolate me and keep me for himself you know um and then like they all like stepped up so hard and like just like (laughs) I feel like showered me with love and like for for a long time it wasn't like a one and done situation they still continuously you all my friends continuously like are um you know they're checking in um and that's been like the most healing thing ever I like tried you know like therapy and stuff which I don't not believe in but it didn't work for me I think what I really needed was like people that I know and I'm comfortable with and know the situation and I know truly care about me um and then um yeah also like yeah I think I think that's just been the most healing thing is just my my community and also coming out of the relationship like like I said when I first moved here no radar no no good gauge of red flags I feel like now I can completely pinpoint somebody the second I see them um so now like I'm I'm grateful for that now and it's like um helped me like see who my circle should be like never in my life now like specifically this year has been like I feel like the happiest I've been in my whole life because like I look around and like every single one of my closest friends is someone that I love so much. It like actually hurts. Like I look at everyone, all of your faces and I'm like, Oh my God, like they deserve the whole world. And I can't believe like what they do for me. Like they go above and beyond and I would do anything for them. But I think it's because I have that like, like radar. Now I know where to put my love and I know who to pour into Mm-hmm. Um, just because of like what I've experienced because I used to pour it into everybody I just like loved everybody and it would like sometimes come back sometimes not and like um, it was exhausting but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a survivor cat and I'm just so glad that you're here and that you came out of that because a, a lot of women don't and like you said the barriers mm-hmm. toward getting um getting out of something like that is huge and the hurdles you've had to go through legally and through the system have been unbelievable for someone who is literally just trying to survive and I think that is something that is so messed up and I know that you're just your experience and sharing this is going to help others to advocate for themselves um, and to to reach out to their friends and family and understand that people love them and do support them. Um, Because like you said, Mm -hmm. you can get into this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Yeah, I I just want to say too, like if there are women out there and men, you know, who have, are going through this, are like, have gone through this, like, um, I know the steps to getting like protection is like, honestly the worst it's the absolute (laughs) worst experience trying to get like restraining orders um protection for yourself but it is such a important thing to do for yourself and if there's anybody out there that needs help unfortunately I'm pretty good at it now (laughs) and I know what to do 
because I've gone through so many like court things and just like, you know, ladder ropes and ladders and all these like obstacles and like getting my self protection. But at the end of the day, I'm super, super, super happy that I did because a life in fear is not one that you should be living. And if anyone needs help, I can help them for sure. It's too hard to do it alone. And it's too hard to do it if you don't have any knowledge. So just yeah. kind of want to put that oh, out there. That is so kind. You're not meant to suffer alone. It's like, that is Mm-mm. the scariest thing. And um, it's true. Cat Cat kind of did go through this in a way when you had to go through the, the legal system on your own. So she is an incredible mm-hmm. resource for information. Can you tell the listeners, like, maybe some red flags that like let's say they're in a relationship right now or or they're like looking for mm-hmm. a relationship some of those like warning signs that you are tuned to now yeah definitely i mean a huge one would be the isolating if mm-hmm. i think really pay attention to how your partner gets along with your loved ones it's not a coincidence if they all don't like your partner. It is not a coincidence. They have your best interests at heart. They've known you for longer. And, like, really, really, like, notice that and then think about why that might be a thing. Because oftentimes, like, yeah, people, your loved ones will see you getting mistreated and they're not going to like it. So they're going to make it known. And also, like, a huge – there's so many different characteristics – but they're all the same to like an abusive partner. But like the isolation is a huge thing. They're going to make you feel like everyone's out to get you. Your friends, they're going to make you think all your friends have ill intentions toward you. They're going to think your family's not good for you. Then they're going to tell you that over and over and over until you believe it. And then all of a sudden you'll wake up and you'll be like, oh, the only person I have is this this person, my partner. And that's how they want it. You know, they want just you just to themselves um that's a huge warning flag um and also like uh you know like gaslighting a lot of gaslighting Mm -hmm. you have to like like your feelings are super valid there's a reason you feel what you feel and if you're continuously getting invalidated or being told you're crazy or being told that they're not real then you know that's a huge warning sign too they want control so they want to control your feelings too um And then, you know, there's always, like, this cycle of, like, getting really hurt by them, whether it be, like, mentally getting torn down or, like, you know, getting physically hurt by them. And then they'll, like, switch 360. They'll just flip and then just, like, shower you with love. The most love you've ever felt. You'll feel like a queen or a king or whatever you want. You'll feel so loved. And then you're confused because you're like, well, someone loves me this much. They're saying all these things about me. There's no way, right? You almost forget that the abuse happened and then it will happen again. It's like a a perpetual circle of abuse. You'll get really torn down, love like you've never been loved before. Torn down, super, super loved. And that's just like the cycle that happens pretty often, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, those are... You know, just a few of the warning signs. Yeah, like big red flags. And um, it's so hard to recognize that in someone that you love and that you really care about. Um, But yeah, like you said, I I, I think that advice too is like, 
everyone, if everyone doesn't like them for you, maybe it's a good time to question <laughs> why. Because <laughs> most totally. likely the people closest to you, they really love you and they care about you. And I think that's a great mm -hmm. um, people to call on and, and just ask for support if you need it, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, don't, suffer, don't suffer alone. That's definitely what that type mm -hmm. of person wants to do because they know how weak that will make you. So, oh, cats, thank you so much for sharing that. Seriously, you're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know it's hard. It's hard if you're in it to see it. It's way easier uh, to be on the outside and be like, that's what happened. Yeah, but I yeah. know it's hard for sure. Yeah, so, so, so real. And on this topic of like heavier things, um, there's another thing mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about, which is disordered eating. And you're a survivor of mm -hmm. this too. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about your journey with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is actually like something I've been battling with since I was like young, like preteen. And I think it it's a lot of dancers go through it because, you know, the nature of our job, you a lot of the times are in front of huge mirrors and you are wearing something that you can see your body in. And yeah. it's like, uh, I know, like, when I was growing up in studio, like, we were required to only wear, like, sports bras and booty shorts in class. So I, for hours, every day since I was little, I would just be staring at myself. I would be seeing myself in the mirror and then, like, comparing myself with, like, all the girls around me. Um, and it's also like a culture where like you're you get pretty praised for your body like if you look toned and if you look good everyone's like ooh like wow you look snatched today or like wow you look really good like and mm -hmm. you keep when you keep hearing that that's all you want and um yeah so pretty like i remember like the first time i really went through it like um i was like 12 i think 11 or 12 and i remember like they like put me in a costume and it just didn't fit. Like it was a teeny tiny costume. And I was like also st very small, but it just, it wasn't the right size. It didn't fit. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I have to lose weight. Like I have to be smaller. And I have this thing where I get really obsessed with certain foods because I think that food is going to fix all my problems and um, I still battle with that actually today like it's a very yeah. present problem that I'm trying to go through but I remember yeah. the very first food obsession I had because I couldn't fit into this costume I don't know why but it was carrot sticks and <laughs> for like months I would just be like if I only eat these carrots I will fit into this costume and literally I'm like 11 mm. and already very small and like so um and I remember like I I would get smaller and smaller and people would tell me that they'll be like cat you look so small you look so small like and I would love it I don't I loved hearing that I looked small I loved hearing it so much and that would push me to get smaller and smaller and smaller until it like wasn't sustainable anymore and this is kind of like a until like I would break and then I mm -hmm. would um like binge and I would eat so much to the point where I would like throw up because I like couldn't stop eating um because I would like deprive myself for so long and this like cycle continued like over and over and over and over again um 
up until like I think the last time this really happened was like like two years ago over COVID like it kind of hit again and Mm -hmm. it hit that cycle again and I like got really really thin got obsessed with like green peas and like um and then I hit a wall and then my body like imploded because at this point like now that I'm older it just like can't like it's never sustainable but it really can't sustain that anymore and I was like hospitalized I was like in and out of the hospital for like an entire summer um uh so it was like yeah it's it's really intense and for me I'm still kind of trying to navigate it and I think what's helped the most too is kind of like let it letting it be known that it's kind of something I'm struggling with Mm -hmm. um with again my my peers so that they can see and know what's going on like I really can't handle like people commenting on my body Mm -hmm. even if they think it's a good thing like I it's really triggering for me to hear someone be like oh you like you look really skinny or you look Mm -hmm. good because that like sends me into a spiral being like oh they notice okay skinnier 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 um Mm. and then uh, so I know for me that's something that sets me off so I have to let it be known to people I'm around to maybe not use that language around me because it's still something that it's hard for me to hear um and then um like when people know more like and I have amazing friends so if they start noticing that like maybe like I only am ordering one thing again like I'm getting fixated on something then um you know like they they notice and they're able to like kind of step in and be like no it's good like we could you don't have to just eat that like I'll eat this with you like I'll sit and eat french fries with you you know so um Mm -hmm. and my my brother actually has been really good about it he like cooks a lot so he like and I hate cooking so he's been helping me like um kind of talk about food more in a way that's more comfortable and honest and be like if you want we can like meal prep over the phone so you have food and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff but I think like obviously like it's still something I go in and out of and I but I think now I'm like very aware of it and I'm aware of how it affects me like physically like it really takes a lot of out, out, out of me and I, I feel like everything kind of shuts down when I get too far in it and I don't want that anymore like I actually really really don't want to have to deal with this anymore so uh, right. I think knowing that and changing that mindset being like I don't want this as a part of my life as opposed to I but I really want to be skinny um, has helped a lot just kind of changing that inner narrative in my head and then kind of like not not keeping it so secret anymore because it's like I'm ashamed of it like I don't feel good about it you know so mm-hmm. I never talked about it I just like I think people just notice my body changing in and out or whatever so I think yeah changing the, my mindset about it wanting to like to fix the problem and kind of making it known to my loved ones has ultimately helped a lot more than anything else um yeah because, yeah. yeah, it's just something I realized, as with every other problem, you can't go at it alone. Like, you need support. It's, like, too difficult to try to, like, navigate by yourself. Absolutely. And I like how you mentioned it's not something that goes away. And eating disorders are not something you ever fully recover from. It's something you manage, right? And it can mm-hmm. pop mm-hmm. up when you're feeling uh, – it can pop up really at any moment. So – knowing those kind of triggers for you is so, so important. And I wish that in general, everyone could stop commenting on people's bodies. <laughs> I, I don't mm-hmm. Me think too. it's ever, <laughs> I don't think it's 
ever necessary. I really don't see why it should ever, ever be brought up. So maybe everyone listening to this, and and don't feel bad if you're someone who has, um, you know, people comment on my body a lot. I know people comment on yours a lot. And it's like, don't feel guilty. Just like consider kind of what the ramifications could be. And maybe that will help you to understand why it's not necessary. Yeah. And even using words like you look healthy. I know when we've talked about this in the past, like that was a trigger for you too, right? Mm-hmm. Like even just anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know this is like kind of messed up too, but when I would hear something like that, I would be like, oh, I'm big. Like, yeah. oh no, like I'm healthy. That means I look bigger than the last time they saw me. And then it right. would like send me into a spiral again. Yeah. So, yeah. I think yeah. just being like very sensitive you just even if you're like everyone's intentions were always good you know they it, they were trying to compliment but I think just being knowing that it might be a sensitive topic especially like with women and like it being in the industry like you just don't know where someone's at um so it's yeah. kind of best just not to not to say anything I think yeah like if you want to compliment someone I think it's much more powerful to compliment their achievements their style like their fashion their nails (laughs) like something that they chose Mm -hmm. because we don't choose our body we don't choose our Mm -hmm. genetics um and if you compliment someone on something they chose i think it's a lot more um, meaningful totally absolutely Oh, and I also do want to give you a shout out for your style. Actually, if I can ask one more question about, <laughs> sty- about <laughs> style, because I, yeah. I recently did a post that was like, um, what's one skill that it, you wish you just could have right now without working for it? <laughs> and someone said, um, going into a thrift store and finding like amazing pieces. And if that's something that I think you have like a sixth sense for, like... <laughs> Cat <laughs> is seriously such a style like icon. I mean, seriously, your style is so oh. inspiring and amazing. Thanks. Um, so I, yeah, you're so welcome. So I have three final questions, <laughs> and these are just quick ones. And I just want you to say the first uh-huh. thing that comes to mind. So the okay. first thing <laughs> is, what are you excited about? Um, I, I'm kind of excited uh, for life just to keep going like because I think I mentioned before this has been like the best the happiest year of my life and like I just didn't expect anything of this year to happen I had went into it with no expectations except just like have a better life be happier and like so many cool things have happened so I think because of that I'm just excited to keep living and also my birthday is coming up next friday so every time that happens i get really introspective about my life and i get really emotional because i'm like oh my god i've just like have been gifted another year like (laughs) wow i don't even know what to do with it so i know that's not very specific but i'm just excited to keep like growing as a human being and seeing seeing what happens like i'm open to whatever the world has to throw at me because i feel like a much better person now and i feel like i can really receive like all the good things now so um i'm just excited for all of life that's perfect what do you wish there was less of um i wish there was less of comparison um comparison and judgment um, I feel like, 
yeah, we live in a world where everything, like, social media is really big. Like, you can kind of create your own stories about people without getting to know them. And I think that really hurts friendships, potential friendships, like, potential situations. It's like a lot of people compare and judge. And I think it's not really serving anybody. Yes. And lastly, what do you wish there was more of? Uh, I th- wish there was just more play. I think we get really serious about life, which of course, like, um, life gets hard, life gets serious. But if we all just kind of remembered our inner child and played more and like didn't put so much weight on situations that didn't need them, like, I think, I think we would all come out a bit happier, a bit lighter and just like, yeah, happier, more, more playtime for everybody. Oh, I love that. On that note, thank you so much, Kat, for being here and for sharing so vulnerably. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. And you're amazing. I know all your like followers and listeners already know this too, but you're like one of the most ambitious, like just amazing human beings I have ever met. And I'm just like honored to be your friend and to be on this podcast. It's so cool. (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you, Kat. I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I would love to connect with you on social media, on Instagram or TikTok. You can find me at Ruth Pilates Studio, all one word. If you'd like to try out any of my classes, on-demand programs, and challenges, and join this community of bad bees across the globe, you can sign up today for a seven-day free trial. Just check out the show notes for the details. And lastly, remember to stand so tall and proud. Can't wait to talk to you next.